Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Again, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Allow me to read this passage. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea, for the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into, into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, Where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowd concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly for him of him for fear of the Jews. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord, open our hearts to the truths of your word. Help us to see that not a lot has changed since that day. Lord, there are many people who still believe that Jesus is a good man, maybe even the Son of God, and others believe that he is leading people astray. Lord, help us to settle it in our hearts of who Jesus is. And Lord, help us to realize that things need to happen in your timing, not our own. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to your spirit guiding us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we saw that uh, the people were responding to something Jesus had said. If you go back through chapter 6, you see a passage where Jesus is talking about asking the people to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we see as he went on, he was talking spiritually. He is saying, I am the bread of life. He is claiming to be the Son of God, that he needed to be accepted and surrendered to as Messiah. Yet the people were not ready to accept him that way, and they struggled with his sayings. And so they just simply focused on the physical. They say, how can we eat your flesh and drink your blood? That's taboo. That's something we don't do. And they were also focusing on Jesus' works. Most of Jesus' early days were filled with miracles. How Jesus had healed the blind, healed the lame, healed the lepers, how he cast out demons. And also talked a little bit about his word, words, his teachings. But he really gained a great following by his works. People saw what he was able to do and said he must be a God or something neat. Let us go and maybe we'll get healed or maybe we'll get a special blessing from him. 
So many of the people were following Jesus simply because of what he was able to do for them. If you remember the first part of chapter 6 or end of chapter 5, Jesus had fed the multitude. 500 men plus their wives plus their children with just a handful of fish and loaves of bread. And so many of them saw this miracle and they started asking Jesus, why don't you just provide us manna so that we don't even have to go out and till the fields and, and weed and hoe and then bring in the crops and do all this. Why can't we just get the bread of manna like our forefathers did? And so the people were still asking Jesus to show his works. And last week we dealt with that Jesus was focusing more on his teachings, his words, than his works. At the end of last week, we saw that many turned away to follow him no more. And we shared that you know Jesus didn't go after them and say, you know, I'm going to change the message. I'll make it easier for you to accept. I'll weaken the gospel so that all can accept it. He didn't do that. He let them go. Well, now we see that after these things, now, what does that mean? Well, it can mean that the next day, the next few minutes, or it can be a period of time has passed. And that's what it means here. If you go back to chapter 6, it's, it's in a setting where Jesus is in the synagogue of Capernaum, and it says it is close to Passover. What do we see here? It says that in verse 2, Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Well, Passover and the Feast of Booths has about a six-month time gap in between. Now, John doesn't go into what happened during those six months. Some of the other gospel writers do. Jesus continued his ministry, his teaching, his miracles, and many other things during that period of time. But we have about a six-month period of time that's in between where chapter 6 left off and where chapter 7 begins. And so we look and we see that after this time, Jesus is now with his brothers. Now, when we look at this, we have to realize that there's a lot of things going on here. Jesus, six months ago, has lost a large portion of his following. He never complained about it, never tried to go out and get them back. He just kept doing what he was doing. He did continue to do some miracles, but his latter years, his latter months, focused more and more on his words, his teachings, than anything else. And so after these things, we basically see that Jesus is still out in Galilee. That's where the large majority of his ministry took place. But here's the reason why he stayed in Galilee. It says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, who were the Jews? It wasn't all the Jewish people. It was the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, those who were in the leadership of the Jewish faith. They were the ones who wanted to kill Jesus. Well, why did they want to kill Jesus? If you remember, very early in his ministry, he came into Jerusalem, and they didn't like what he did. He came into the temple and saw the money changers. He saw the, the men who were selling animals right there in the midst of the temple. And he took a whip and he ran out the ones who were selling animals. And he turned over the money tables and he said, You have made the house of prayer, my father's house, a den of thieves. Scripture doesn't say it, but I kind of have a feeling he may have been staring right into some of these religious leaders' faces when he said that. And it didn't go well. 
See, these men had total control over the religious community. Whatever they said went. Matter of fact, they had taken the the Ten Commandments, they had taken the laws of Moses and added thousands of more rules and regulations so that they could be in control of every facet of a people's lives. And they didn't like Jesus coming in and telling them that what they were doing was wrong. So from that day forward, they were against Jesus. They did not want him to usurp their authority over the people. And so we see that from that day forward, they didn't like Jesus. They began to to look for ways to get rid of Jesus one way or another. Then we pick up in verses 3 through 5. Jesus is tempted by his brothers. Now, we don't talk about his family very much, but here we do. We're talking about his brothers. And sometimes when we use the word brothers, it's used as the word brethren, which means fellow believers. Here it actually means his brothers. Well, who were his brothers? If you do go back to Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, you may want to jot that down. Matthew 13, 55, someone was talking about Jesus. They said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And other scripture says, and his sisters didn't list their names, but we know that after Jesus was born through that miraculous birth of the Holy Spirit through Mary, that Mary and Joseph afterwards had other children. So these are Jesus' half-brothers, pretty much, is the best way you can describe it. And he had some half-sisters as well. Well, We know their names, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. These brothers are with Jesus. Matter of fact, Mary was one who followed Jesus pretty much everywhere he went, his mother. And we assume that his brothers probably followed around quite a bit. Maybe all of his ministry, maybe some of it. We really do not know. Uh, the Bible's really silent about his brothers for most of the poor, except for here. But what we do know is they probably had witnessed many of his miracles, if not most of them. They had heard much of his teaching. And we don't know what they thought, other than what we see here uh, in the Scriptures that says that in verse 5, not even, not, for not even his brothers were believing in him. So they did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They, they did not believe him when he said, I am equal with God. They did not believe him when he says, yeah, I and the Father are one. They didn't believe any of that. Maybe they thought that he had been possessed by a spirit of God to be a prophet or a teacher, maybe even a powerful miracle worker. But to be equal with God, they weren't accepting that. So they did not believe in Jesus as being son of God, equal with God. And so if you really read what they say, they're somewhat mocking him, ridiculing him. They know that six months earlier he lost a big chunk of his following. So here they are giving him suggestions of what he needs to do. What they say is, why don't you go with us into Jerusalem? It's a great feast time. The Feast of Booths was a time where uh, the Jewish people came to Jerusalem for one of the three main feasts, Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of Booths, or Feast of Temples, uh, Tabernacles, whichever way you want to look at it. And what they did is they were celebrating the harvest. Uh, they were basically looking at the ways that people lived during the time of the harvest. 
they would build little lean-tos or little shacks or little tents or something out close to the fields, do their harvest work, and then move back to their homes. And so the travelers coming to Jerusalem would build these little lean-tos and stay in those during that time of the feast. Those who actually lived in Jerusalem, their houses basically had flat roofs, and they would actually build the little lean-tos on top and live in those during this week. So it's a time of celebrating the harvest. But it was one of those times that every devout Jewish man was expected to come to Jerusalem. And so they knew that it was time for all Jewish men to go to Jerusalem. They said, well, Jesus, come on with us. And here's what you ought to do to regain a following. Go in and make a spectacle of yourself. Do all these miracles. Do all these great signs and these works. And you'll gain a new following. Doesn't that sound good? Isn't that what you're all about? Quit hanging around out here in Galilee where, you know, just the peasants live. The nobodies live out here. Go into Jerusalem, the big stage of Jerusalem, and there you can be seen and heard and make a name for yourself. Folks, I think there's a teachable moment right there. Have we ever been encouraged to do something for all the wrong reasons? For selfish reasons? You know, there's times that we need to go and we need to speak, we need to act But we need to do it in a way that honors God instead of looking at self-centered motives for what we do. And so Jesus is being encouraged to be very self-centered, to focus on himself, to gain a new group of followings. And so his brothers are saying, come on into Jerusalem. We'll announce you as you come in. We'll make a big to-do. Here's Jesus. And make everybody realize you're here to show them all, to show out to do some great works, to do some miracles, surely you'll gain that falling back. You'll get a, maybe even a bigger crowd than you ever had before. But we look and we see what Jesus says. Verse 5 sadly says that his brothers did not believe in him. Here's what Jesus did. He says, this is not my time. Did you know that Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem and make a big scene? It's going to happen about six months later, the next Passover. That's when Jesus goes into Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey, proclaiming himself to be king of the Jews. That is something that Jesus will do, not in the manner that his brothers wanted him to do, but in the manner that God wanted him to do. Not in the time frame that the brothers wanted him to do, but in God's time. Time and time again in this passage, you will see that Jesus says, it is not yet my time. Notice that. He is on God's timetable, not man's, not even his own. He is on God's timetable. He is totally obedient to God the Father. And so we look and we see that, again, he's not worried about showing out of his great works Most of his miracles are are being done now on almost a one-to-one basis. As he sees people who are suffering, he goes to them and heals them and calls them to himself. Much more is focused on his teachings, his word. And that's what Jesus wants us to focus on too. We can look back through the scriptures, especially the gospels, and see the miraculous works that Jesus performed. Say, man, I would love to have seen those. 
What we really would want to see is not what we see, but what we hear. We need to listen to the words from read, the teachings of Jesus, how he wants us to live, how he wants us to love, how he wants us to minister, how he wants us to surrender. That's what we really need to focus on on Jesus. But several times in verses 6 through 9, he says, it is not yet my time. And he tells his brothers, you know, y'all go ahead. There's nothing wrong with y'all going. As a matter of fact, you'll be warmly welcomed. Why? Because you're just one of them. You're as much of the world as they are. Nobody's going to object to you because you don't ever say anything objectionable. You just blend right in with everybody else. But that's not the same with me. See, they hate me. They want to kill me. Why? Because I bring conviction of sin wherever I go. And they don't like that. Well, let me ask you something. When you're in a crowd out in the world, do we just blend in? Are we just like the rest of the world? Nobody notices that there's anything different about us? Or do people quit talking like they normally talk because you're present? They quit telling the little off-color stories and jokes because you're present. Does your presence make a difference in the people that you're around? Jesus did. The world always was different when Jesus was around. Not when his brothers were around. They just blended right in. Nobody had any qualms about his brothers being there. But a lot of people struggled with Jesus being there. Why? Because he says, I convict them of their sinfulness. And they don't like that. You know, it's hard to stand up here week after week because sometimes the words that I preach convict us of our sinfulness. And we kind of squirm a little bit like you're getting too close to home. You better back off. Can't. You've got to teach the truth. That's what Jesus was doing. So he reasoned with them that, again, it was not his time, but they should go on because it's, number one, it's their responsibility as Jewish men to go on into Jerusalem uh, to partake of this feast of the uh, booths and tabernacle. But he says, I will not go with you. Now, we look and we see what's going on in Jesus' life. Do you think that he may have felt that temptation, wanting to go into Jerusalem and do exactly what his brothers encouraged him to do, do some great works, some great miracles, and draw a great attention to himself so that he was the center of attention? That's hard not to want to do, wouldn't it? when you're wanting people to come to you and listen to what you have to say. You know, we make all sorts of excuses. Well, in order to get them to come in and hear, we need to offer something that everybody will want to come in to, to do. We won't run a great risk doing that. Jesus never tempted people to come for the wrong reasons. There was always a message that was given. Verse 10 makes us ask a question. It says, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. Well, go back to verse 8. Jesus is telling his brothers, go up to the feast yourself. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. 
Did Jesus lie to his brothers? Well, we know Jesus never lied because he never sinned. So what is the difference here? We've got to take it in context. Why was Jesus not going to go up to Jerusalem? He was not going to go into Jerusalem in the manner in which his brothers were dictating. He sent them on so that he would not be following in their caravan, so that they would not have an opportunity to say, here's Jesus, look at him, watch him do some tricks. He needs a new group of following. Y'all need to listen to him. Y'all need to watch what he's able to do. He sends them on ahead. See, Jesus is a devout Jew. He does obey the, the laws of God. So he is going to go into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Booths, but not on their timetable, not in their way of expectation. See, everything Jesus does is according to the Father's will. That's all we need to know, is he does go, but not in the manner that they were dictating, nor the time frame that they dictated. He went later in a manner that was more secretive, and we'll see at, uh, next week as to what kind of message he, he brought when he got there. But we look and we see. Jesus does nothing by anybody else's expectations other than God's. He is always totally obedient to God. How about us? Well, we're not Jesus. We, we don't have quite as... In to, you know, in tune with God as Jesus was. We ought to, but we don't. But do we really pray each and every day, Lord, don't let me do anything that's against your will. Lord, it's so tempting to, to do this because it's a good thing to do, but is, is it good for you? Is it right for me to do this now? Sometimes God wants us to do something, but he doesn't want us to do it on this timetable, he wants to be in control of the timetable. Other times he says, that may be a good thing to do, but not in that manner. You're doing it to bring attention to yourself instead of to me. So we need to always be very careful about our own motives. Well, it is about time for the feast. Many of the Jews have gathered in Jerusalem and what is the talk of the town? Jesus. See, Jesus has already spent about three years of his life ministering. His public ministry is close to three years in the works. Just about everybody knows something about Jesus. Many of them have either met Jesus, heard him teach, seen him perform miracles. you got to remember, Jerusalem is filled with people from the outside, from people from Galilee. So there are many people there who have actually witnessed Jesus do these miracles. Some of them, are, I'm sure, were the very ones who received the bread and the fish six months earlier and had got their bellies filled. And they wanted to see some more things from Jesus. Well, the talk of the town was Jesus. They knew that Jesus was a Jew, they expected Jesus to be there. Matter of fact, there, verse 11, the very end of it. Where is he? We're expecting to see him. He's the talk of the town. He's the hot topic. People want to know, what's he going to do next? Where is he? 
We're excited to see him and listen to him. See what he's going to do. Well, verse 12 says, There is much grumbling among the crowd concerning him. Why is there grumbling? Isn't Jesus a miracle worker? Isn't he this great guy that preaches and teaches these great messages? Well, not everybody thinks so. Some said he is a good man. Others are saying no, on the contrary. He leads the people astray. So the people couldn't even agree on who Jesus was. Some saw his miraculous works and his teachings as a good thing. He was a good man. Some of them may have actually even said that he claims to be equal with God. Maybe he is that Messiah. We just don't know that for a fact. We don't know, we don't have enough evidence. We have not been convicted that he is truly son of God. Yes, we've seen these miraculous works, but you know, God is, God gave Elijah and Elisha power to do miraculous works. They both brought people back from the dead, and Jesus has too. So, what distinguishes Jesus from these men of old? Maybe he's just a prophet that we need to hear. Yeah, he's a good man. But there's, the other side. Those who have probably been very influenced by the teachings of the, of the religious leaders, they say, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. He's pushing us away from our truths that we have studied and learned from decades and centuries and millennials. Our religious leaders are the men who we need to listen to, not this man named Jesus. He's leading us astray. But one thing they did agree on, verse 13, Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews, the religious leaders. See, the Jews did not want anybody talking about Jesus. Pro or con, they wanted him to be silenced. And they wanted the people to be silenced about him. See, anything that brought up the name of Jesus would cause people to think about Jesus. And they didn't want anybody to even think about Jesus. And so the people were afraid to speak openly, publicly, loudly about their thoughts about Jesus. Folks, let's look at the year 2020. Is it any difference today? You go out on the street and you do a survey, what do you think about this man named Jesus? What kind of responses do you think you would get? Hopefully you will get a lot of people saying what we should be saying. He is my Savior and He is my Lord. He died for my sins and I am His. I have surrendered my life to Him. That's what we ought to be saying. Some would say, you know, from history, sounds like He was a pretty good guy. He did some really neat stuff and probably taught us some things that we needed to hear. He's a good man. Maybe I'm a prophet but they wouldn't put him in the league of being equal with God. But you know, there's a lot of people on the streets today that say that he was a divisive man. His teachings are filled with hate speech. Y'all do know that that happens today. That's a pretty clear message being proclaimed today, that Jesus is very divisive, that his teachings are hateful. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, has it? What do we do about that? Well, if it hasn't changed in 2,000 years, it's pretty hopeless, right? No. We keep living 
the way God wants us to live. We keep setting the example for others to follow. We should never be afraid to voice our opinion about who Jesus is in fear of persecution or what other people may think or say. We should always be vocal, not only with our voices, but also with our lives in who Jesus is. We need to ask God, Lord, who is in my path this week that I may be able to share the gospel with, I may invite to church that I may share my own personal testimony with? Is there somebody that you're going to put in my path this week that needs to hear who you are, your love for them, and your willingness to save them from their sins? You know, just simply inviting somebody to hear a message like this will give them an opportunity to choose who Jesus is in their life. That's what we need to be doing. Asking God, how can you use me? And the thing we need to do is just like Jesus, say, Lord, no no matter what I say, no matter what I do or when I do it, may it always be according to your will and not my own. So Jesus did go up. The Jews were wondering about him. Next week we'll pick up with Jesus in Jerusalem and what he has to say. Y'all do know it's okay to read ahead, don't you? So you can pick up verse 14 and read ahead and see where we're heading next week. That's all right. But here's the situation. What do we learn from this passage? Jesus only did things according to God's will. Isn't that a perfect example for us? We don't need to be doing anything just for our own sake, just for our own glory. But all that we do should always bring honor and glory to God and be according to his will. You know, his brothers rejected him. They did not believe in him. Maybe they just didn't have enough evidence because, you know what? In about six months, Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to be placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he's going to rise up. He's going to ascend into heaven. Did you know that changed everything? His brothers became believers. How do we know that? James, the very first one mentioned, becomes the pastor of the very first church in Jerusalem. And he writes a book that we have in the Bible by his name. Judas. Ooh, that's a terrible name, isn't it? Because Judas Iscariot is the one who betrayed Jesus. Knowing that, Judas kind of abbreviates his name to the name Jude. Does that ring a bell? He also writes a book that we find in our Bible by his name. So we know two of them definitely became followers of Christ. We have evidence of it. And we believe that his other brothers did also. Prior to the resurrection, a lot of people didn't know if they could believe that Jesus claimed to be equal with God was true. After the resurrection, changed everything. Aren't you glad we live on this side of the resurrection? There's no doubt in my mind of who Jesus is. He's the one that died for my sins, was buried, and rose again to prove that he has the power over the penalty of sin, which is death, and to give me his gift of eternal life. That's who Jesus is. Let's bow together as we close.
Dear Lord, we're here to worship you today because we know who you are. We know that you truly are God. We see you as Son of God, God the Son, who came, Lord, to give your life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for our sinfulness. And Lord, after your death, you raised from the grave to give us victory. And Lord, you have proven yourself to us. That's why we bow before you today and call you Lord and Savior. Lord, there's a world around us that does not accept that. And Lord, we may be the only ones that will ever communicate that to them. Lord, through your spirit, through your guidance, through your strength, Lord Jesus, to share those truths. Lord, even just to simply invite someone to come so that they can hear it for themselves. Lord, may we be found faithful to you. May we never feel that we must be silent because we may offend someone else with the truth of your word about who Jesus is. May we be bold in sharing our faith. Lord, as we close today, touch our hearts. Draw us to yourself. Make sure that we are living obedient to you and your will for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.